Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. After the worst weekend, the worst weekend of games in the NFL, we just got the best game of the season, period. That might be the best game you see all year long. That's how good Packers-Cardinals was. Two elite quarterbacks, not one, but two goal line stands in the final three and a half minutes. A near comeback for the ages and a game that did end with one of the strangest plays you're ever going to see. So, not bad for a Thursday night. Not bad for any night. Not bad for an NFC Championship game, which that very well could be a preview of. Final score, Green Bay 24, Arizona 21. I'm going to get to the end of that game in a moment because because there's a lot there. But why don't we start with something else? Why don't we start with the Green Bay Packers? The Green Bay freaking Packers. Let's make sure we immediately put respect on them. In fact, let me put it to you in another way. How the hell did they do that? As busted up as they were coming in, and then when guys started to go down within the game, how the hell did they play arguably their best game? Forget winning that game. How were they even in that game? How did they win that game without their D coordinator? How did they win that game when they took the field without Devontae Adams, without Alan Lazard, and without MVS? And how do you lose Robert Tunyon during that game the way they did? How did they win that game? Two answers. There's the obvious answer. They have Aaron Rodgers. And then there is the other answer. The one provided by Preston Smith in a tweet after the game. Quote, they keep making excuses why we keep winning. Maybe it's because we're just bleeping better. My man's not wrong. They are bleeping good. Green Bay, really freaking bleeping good. You show me another team in the league that shows up without three of its top four wide receivers and doesn't look for a place just to lay down and die. And then you show me that same team losing their star tight end and still finding a way to win. I tweeted it last night, and I'm going to say it again right now. Where are all those idiots who buried Aaron Rodgers after week one? You know, the dopes who said that he doesn't love football anymore. The hot takers who said that he didn't care about his teammates anymore. And that that offseason that he had was going to destroy Green Bay's regular season. Where are you morons now? Best be hammering six-foot crow sando subs. Because Green Bay is 7-1. and one. Ritz like, mmm, six-foot sub? Yeah, but it's a cr- it's a Bambi. crow sando. You don't want that. Or a jelly bean sando, eh, old man? What's up? Dude, hey, thanks for wearing your costume today. You came in dressed like Dwight Eisenhower. Incredible. I thought I said we have a no costume policy, Mr. President. Thank you. So Green Bay is 7-1. They've got the best record in the NFL. Green Bay. They're the number one seed in the entire league. They just went on the road for a long trip on a short week without their D coordinator, without half their offense, and they just beat arguably the best team in the NFL. Like if Green Bay had shown up and gotten hammered, nobody would have blamed them. Probably nobody would have said anything except for the aforementioned hot pukers. They didn't just stand in and trade. They didn't just stand in, trade, and land a few good shots and earn everybody's respect. They won that game. 
So it's about time apologies were made and respect was given because these guys have earned all of it and they deserve it. And all the hot takers should know that their takes aren't hot. They're only ass. Serial ass. Oh, I've got something for you, uh, head. Your use of the word ass. I'm going to put you on a one ass limit per week. Pick your spot, dude. So anyway, I guess that that offseason for Green Bay really was not a problem. And neither was the fact that they were missing three wide receivers. Not a problem because they still have Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. And these dudes all can play. Jones and Dillon run hard. I mean, these dudes run hard. Aaron's having a blast. How about that appeal for a flag right in the middle of a play? Rodgers is... He's looking at the official as he's dragged down by the jersey. He was looking for a horse collar call and doesn't get it as Zach Allen makes the play. Think he's not aware of everything going on around him? You know, you got to be up a lot higher in order for it to be a horse collar. Thanks to Fox for that. So after getting memed mid-game for his face after throwing a TD to Randall Cobb, and in case you're wondering, he did see that and he loved it. When he was asked about it, Aaron responded with one of the most accurate statements ever. Quote, man, the internet is undefeated. End of quote. (laughs) My man is so good. He's right. Add that to a list of things that is undefeated. Father time, sex, the internet. Not once beaten, not once tied, undefeated. You want to know who else or what else is undefeated? The Green Bay Packers... Ever since everybody tried to bury them and him. They have not lost since, and he has played lights out ever since. And does this sound like a guy? Check him out on the field after the game. Does this sound like a dude who has mentally checked out? This is a tough, physical, gritty team. I'm so proud of our guys. Without our defensive coordinator, without MVS, the best receiver in the league, Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard, our do-it-all guy. To have these guys come out and play the way they did, I'm so proud of them, so proud of the line. And to watch our defense finish off the game like that on the road against a great football team, that's what it's all about. It's going to be a great freaking ride back to Green Bay. We're going to celebrate this, have a great weekend, and get back uh, after it next week. Idiots. Idiots. Talking about how this guy's washed. Talking about how he doesn't care. Talking about how his new zen is wrecking everything. This dude's incredible. And I'll be honest. Coming into that game, honestly, I thought Arizona would win. I thought Green Bay was just too banged up, and it was nothing against Green Bay. I just, I like and respect Arizona that much. I cannot tell you how impressed I am with the way Green Bay showed up, the way they played, the way they battled through all that adversity. I I cannot tell you how impressed I am with Green Bay. And I've lost no respect at all for Arizona. This is just my point about how that whole overreaction to that first game was just such an embarrassment, man. You're talking about the reigning league MVP. You're talking about one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. The guy has one bad game, and you can't wait to run him out of town on a rail. One bad game, and you hot takers and hot pukers couldn't wait to come in and just wreck this dude. It was such an idiotic take at that time, and now even more so. Obviously. And yes, I know I've spent a lot of time in this take talking about the Packers because they deserve it, because I'm that impressed. I mean, they were lights out last night. They were so good. But just so we're clear about this, too. 
There was nothing I saw last night that makes me question Arizona. Nothing that I saw last night from the cards that would make me think that maybe I shouldn't ride so hard with them anymore. I lost no respect for them last night. If anything, I gained it. They had injury issues of their own. They went without J.J. Watt, who from the sounds of it, nearly had his arm severed. They lost DeAndre Hopkins for chunks of the game. But Kyler Murray is still Kyler Murray. And if you've wondered why I'm constantly hyping this guy, I did tweet it again last night that he's the single most electric player in the league. If you're wondering why I'm always hyping this guy, he showed you pretty early on when he hit DeAndre Hopkins with this bomb. Murray backpedaling, lets it fly. Pass is caught into the end zone. They're going to mark him out of bounds. There's a flag down. That's Hopkins. And the thing is, the Cardinal defense without J.J. Watt did still look pretty damn good. On the goal line stand with less than four minutes to go. They did their job. Game on the line, and they make one huge play after another leading up to this on fourth. Rodgers in the shotgun, leaning in on his left foot. Play action. Rodgers pass. Tipped and deflected away. Devon Kennard right in front of Aaron Rodgers. Swatted it away. And the Cardinals swat the pass away from the half yard line with 323 to play. Westwood won. It was an amazing moment in that game. Brass as hell. What I'm saying to you is that was championship level defense in an enormous moment. Then these guys go on a massive drive, a drive that started in the shadow of their own goalpost and they go 94 yards down to the Packers five. A field goal is a lock, but they're looking to finish. They're looking to win that game. And, man, what a win that would be. Can you imagine going 99 yards in the final minutes to stay undefeated? That would have been one of the best things ever. And it looked like it was going to happen until this happened. Shotgun snap comes in helmet high. Murray throws to the right side, and it's intercepted. It's picked off by Rasul Douglas. He wanted A.J. Green, who never turned around, and Rasul Douglas, the juggling interception in the back right corner of the end zone to salt it away for the Green Bay Packers. I'm not even sure what happened there. First of all, hands, man. Hands. What an incredible play that was. Hands. Having said that, I can't tell you how many times I've watched that play, and I still have no idea what happened. And I'm not alone. Kyler Murray was in the same boat as the rest of us. I honestly don't know. Um, just some miscommunication. Well, I mean, if, if Kyler doesn't know, how the hell are any of us going to know? I only know this. A.J. Green is a seven-time Pro Bowler. A.J. Green is a damn good receiver. One of the best. But he really was not a receiver for some reason on that play. And I'm not sure why. I, I mean, I really don't know what he was doing. He didn't even make a move. He didn't turn around to find the ball. I, he didn't do anything. I mean, what was he doing? Was he run blocking? If so, why? There were three other guys running routes. A.J. Green was in single coverage against a guy who had been a Cardinals practice squatter a few weeks back. Going to Green was the right call. I'm just not sure that Green knew what the call was. I mean, I know it's a miscommunication. But what did Green think had been communicated? Did he think the play called for a run or for him to run a few yards and then freeze? 
with his back to the quarterback and not to look to locate the ball even? I mean, the whole thing is so weird. I mean, I could spend hours talking about Green and still never know exactly what happened. But give Rasul Douglas a lot of credit for having the hands and the reaction to catch that ball off of Green's helmet. That was an unbelievable reaction to end that game. An incredible play, an amazing reaction in one of the most critical moments of the entire season. That play right there could have huge implications going forward. Man, I mean, that was wild. Not even before Green knew it hit him, that game was over. And that's what it took to beat the cards. A miscommunication and a crazy play at the end of a nearly epic game-winning drive. This is why I'm not worried about Arizona. This is why I didn't lose any respect for Arizona. This is why you should all be giving Green Bay a hell of a lot more respect. And Aaron, man, what are you talking about with Aaron? Never mind you idiots that buried this guy. I've never seen my guy have more fun. Like he, this whole thing about Zen this, Zen that, he is in an incredible headspace. This dude is having the time of his life and he's playing balls out. As for AJ, I, I don't know. Like I haven't seen an AJ caught off guard like that since AJ Clemente. My definition. Gay. Good evening, I'm Van Chu. You may have seen our new AJ on. In- North Dakota News, and he'll be joining the weekend news team as my co-anchor. Tell us a little bit about yourself, AJ. Um, thanks, Van. I'm very excited. I graduated from West Virginia University, and I'm used to, um, you know, from being from the East Coast. Okay, well, welcome aboard, AJ. Thanks. Go for it. Uh, fatal ATV crash happened. First of all, AJ, you if you're like me, brother. your weekend plans include kicking back, watching live sports, and it doesn't even matter what sport you're watching. It's always fun to have a little action. Personally, I've got my week eight eye on Pittsburgh, making that short trip to Cleveland for a heated divisional battle. This is why I'm going to recommend downloading the WinBet app right away. Whether you're a recreational player or a serious handicapper, WinBet is your ticket to every exciting wager. From straight bets to parlays, teasers, and any exotic prop wager you can come up with. The app is so easy to use, and everybody knows that Win is one of the biggest and best brands in the gaming industry. So get off the sidelines and join in on all the action. Download WinBet right now. You can get it on Google Play or the Apple App Store. Put yourself in the game with WinBet. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. You do have to be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough WinBet is available. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Charles Robinson is my guest. Charles, what's up? How are you? I'm doing well, brother. How are you doing today? Good, dude. Good. Great to have you back. Thanks so much. Help me with this, if you would, because I've watched the play maybe 20 times. I still have no idea exactly what happened. What was going through your mind when you saw Kyler Murray pass that ball and it bounced off of A.J. Green's helmet? What happened on that play? I, I It looked like he was run blocking. Like, I couldn't figure out why. There's no other scenario where a wide receiver is that deep into the end zone um, and and has his head you know, he's he's not even looking at the ball. He's got his back to the quarterback, and he didn't look like he was, you know, planting his foot in the ground to pivot or, um, you know, trying to set a guy up. Um, and the clock, I mean, when you're when you're inside of 15 seconds, there, everyone in the field knows there's no run. <laughs> there's not a run play here. Right. There's not, you know, there's not even a screen play. I mean, every ball's going into the end zone. 
Um, the pick, obviously, by Razul Douglas. I mean, that was an amazing pick, but uh, Green there, I just I, I don't I don't get it. And then afterward, you know, Kyler Murray's like he he was like I don't know I don't know what happened, and you know, it was clear that they were completely just on the wrong page. I just um, you know, even Cliff Kingsbury is sort of like, hey, in that situation, everybody knows. Um, you know, where the ball's going to go. We, they, everybody knows what we're going to do. And he said that's the look that they wanted. That was the exact look that they wanted uh, A.J. Green singled up. And for for whatever reason, he had no clue that Murray was going going to him on that side. And it, it's just beyond uh, – I don't know. I've never seen anything like that in a situation where, where a wide receiver looked like he was setting up a run block. I think essentially that's exactly word for word what I said, except you said it a little bit better. I, I don't get it at all. Why in the world would he be run blocking in that situation? And that's exactly what that appeared. With the number of receivers they had, they got the matchup they wanted. Like The whole thing was just so, so weird. But the Packers, you got to give them credit. I mean, for them to show up the way they did on the road and play the way they did to me is amazing. When you see Aaron Rodgers, for instance, and what he did last night and how much fun he's having right now and how much he loves his teammates, if you're the Packers front office, are you still wanting to move this guy at the end of the season? Like, why would you want to shake that up, having seen what you've seen so far now this year, too? I I, I can't imagine. This is, for Packers management, this has got to be going, and, and it sort of cuts both ways, but it's got to be going, it's going great, and it's also going poorly. Because, you know, you look at last night's game, if Aaron Rodgers doesn't press, for Randall Cobb to be on the, the roster. He's not on the roster, okay? And that means that when Robert Tunyon goes down with the knee injury, they have almost nothing then at that point in terms of throwing the football. I mean, the, the leading receivers are running back um, last night, but but Cobb was the trusted guy, obviously, for Rodgers um, in the red zone, in the end zone. He catches two touchdown passes. He draws a, a flag on a third pass in the end zone that was key, and that flag got squandered, even though I think they got hosed out of that. I, th- I thought Aaron Jones, there was no way to overturn uh, the, the touchdown that they ultimately did overturn at the goal line, but um, the pivotal piece on the board last night was Cobb, and it was a piece that Rodgers said, hey, for me to come back, I want you to go get this guy uh, from the Houston Texans. I trust him, and he's, he's you know, John, uh, Tom Brady trusts you know, Rob Gronkowski, everybody has their ace. And that was, that was really Rogers ace that bring him back in. I trust he and Devonte Adams and, and they can both make a difference. Well, he made a huge difference last night, which means Aaron Rodgers input into the roster made a difference. I don't know if that really makes the, the green Bay front office happy, but you got to be happy that you're sitting there and you're the number one seed in the NFC right now. Um, you have a mini buy now for a couple of days going into a trade deadline, which isn't the worst thing. And I think if you're the front office, you're sitting there and you have a dilemma on your hands because you go, we have, we, we probably have to seize this moment now. We have to do this. We have five million dollars under the cap still, which puts us in a really good situation. There's not a single NFC team over 500 that has five million dollars under the salary cap. And the reason why five million dollars is an important number, Brandon Cooks can be had right now for less than a mill and a half. Hmm. Okay, he wants out of Houston, wants to go to a winner. There are two ex-Houston Texans sitting on the Packers roster. I think that if the, the, the Packers were to pick up a phone and say, hey, we, we acquired Cobb from you, we're looking at having another deep threat. The kid's 28, you know, 28 years old. He's got $12 million in salary next year, but he's, we don't have to pay any of that if we decide to cut him, and he can help us win a Super Bowl this year. And we have the, the, the picks 
if you want a third round pick for him, we got a third round pick. If you want, if we can get him for as cheap as a fourth, we got a fourth for you. Um, the, the Packers are in a position where they can help Rodgers right now. They've brought in Whitley Merciless. They brought in Jalen Smith on the defensive side. Now you can go out and get an extra piece offensively so that, hey, if there's a COVID outbreak, you don't have to you know, hang on by a thread because you, the only guy available to you is Randall Cobb. Um, you know, if, if uh, Marquez Val- Valdez-Scantling goes down with an ankle injury, you're fine. You, you've picked up another wide out. So it's a, really it's a buyer's market, and if you're the Packers, you're sitting there going, let's not go into the NFC title game and repeat our mistakes the last two years and get into a situation where we go, man, we would have just had one extra guy down the stretch. If we could have just picked up that sweetener at a deadline that would have put us uh, over the top, that really would have made a, a difference to us, the way Emmanuel Sanders made a huge difference to the San Francisco 49ers when they made the, 40, uh, the, the Super Bowl. I agree with you. There are so many opportunities for them to do the right thing, to make that shot or take that shot, improve the team. And that's just for this season alone, never mind going forward. So hopefully they do the right thing because Aaron was right. He definitely was right in wanting Randall Cobb and the way he's playing right now. Charles Robinson is my guest. Let me ask you this. The trade deadline is Tuesday. You have been all over the Deshaun Watson story for months now. You made the point that the Dolphins owner, Stephen Ross, wanted clarity on the situation and the message from him to the Texans and Watson was clear. What was Ross looking for? What was the message that he needed to hear from them? Well, he was clear he wanted the civil suits taken care of. Like, he wanted them off the board. You can't remove... Now, you know, from the criminal end of it, there's there's no... There have not been any charges. There's a grand jury... There's a grand jury investigation going on, and that could result in nothing. Okay, so you can't take that off the board because it's not on the board officially. Um, but the civil suits are, and I think Ross was pretty clear that he wanted some some resolution there, you know, to, to feel comfortable making this trade, particularly given that the Houston Texans um, were were not going to give any pick protections. They weren't going to give back anything if, if Watson uh, ended up getting suspended down the line or whatever it might be. Now, see, there's a catch here in all this, and I think the Dolphins knew this, and I think Ross knew this. Um, if Watson were to go and, and reach a global settlement with the, the 22 civil suits that are there now, from what I've been told, that would trigger the personnel conduct policy as it pertains to um, any, any form of assault, first-time offense uh, regarding assault. That would basically, in the league's eyes, trigger an admission of guilt, and Watson would be suspended the, the standard six games under the personal conduct policy. Now, if you're the Dolphins... The reason why you push to get those resolved is because then you know now he's suspended six games, and when you go to the negotiating table with the Texans, you go, okay, he's suspended six games now. Now let's have that reflected in, in the price that you want back because we're now dealing for a player who's effectively missing the entire season. He's, he sat out up until this point with you, and when we get him, he's not going to be available to us at the very least until the end of the season. And, oh, by the way, this, the criminality, the, the element of the criminal um, investigation has not been cleaned up either. So in a way, you could say it was a no- negotiating tactic, and that's why the, the Dolphins were pushing for it. But, it, you know, the second that was put out there, the Texans essentially are saying, well, we've been pushing them to settle for, for a long time now. It's not happening. And Watson's camp said, we don't want to settle. Like, he's innocent. We want to go to court. We want to, we want to press this in the legal realm and we think we can win this, so we're not inclined to settle. And that, 
I really truly believe if he's on the roster come Wednesday, you know, Tuesday's the trade deadline, it this is it. This was the this was the the monkey wrench that that really um got thrown into the mix now. And it's always been about protection. It's always been about, you know, price versus protection. That's what broke down in August between these two teams. And I think it's what's breaking down once again. Charles Robinson, my guest. All right, really quickly, if you could, a separate legal issue. Mark Davis raised the point that he lost his head coach as part of an investigation that had nothing to do with his team. He's not happy about that. Bottom line, Charles, why has the league protected Dan Snyder in the way that it has over the years? I can tell you when you talk to people in the league, the only way they can read it is that Dan Snyder has something to damage the league and the league has something obviously to damage Dan Snyder. And they're both sitting there staring at each other going, okay, well there's mutually assured destruction here. If we come down on Dan, um, whatever he has, whatever, you know, whatever skeletons in our closet that Dan's aware of, um, he can trot those out and he could hurt us or he could hurt other owners or, um, you know, he could hurt us in the, in the, the, uh, the lawsuit with the Los Angeles, uh, Rams relocation. And the league may say, we, we can't have that. You know, we, it's, it's as simple as that. And so they thought, let's meet in the middle ground. It'll be a historic fine, $10 million. You know, that doesn't mean much to Dan, but what does mean something to Dan is that he has been moved away from the controls of his team. He's not in the day-to-day operations of his team. When you have an owner's meeting, it's now his wife that's sitting in there as the primary owner of the Washington, or, uh, of the Washington football team. That matters, I think, to Dan Snyder. He does not want to be on the outside looking in, and he has been for several months now. But I have to believe that this is why um, the league has, has really reached as far as it can to continue protecting him. He is a senior NFL reporter for Yahoo. He is host of You Pod to Win the Game. Good friend of the program, too, Charles Robinson. Listen, just so I'm really clear on this, I appreciate you coming on the program always. Charles, thank you very much. Great job. Thank you, Romy. I appreciate it, man. Have a good one. So let me drop some numbers on you. Scary numbers. Two out of three men will experience some form of hair loss by the time they are 35. More than 50 million men in the U.S. suffer from male pattern baldness, and there are only two FDA-approved medications that can prevent hair loss. Keeps offers both. So why don't we talk for a minute about Keeps. Keeps offers a simple, stress-free way to keep your hair. Convenient virtual doctor consultations and medications delivered right to your door every three months so you do not have to leave your home. And low-cost treatments starting at only 10 bucks per month and Keeps offers generic versions. On top of that, discreet packaging and proven results. Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of the competition. But here's something you got to keep in mind. Prevention is key. Treatments can take four to six months to see results. So you want to move on this right now. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash Rome. Get your first month of treatment for free. That's keeps.com slash Rome. And get your first month free, keeps.com slash Rome. Now, let me ask you this. If you have a phone or you've got social media access. In fact, any access to the internet at all. You have probably seen Miles Garrett's Halloween decor by now. Let's talk a little Halloween. You've probably seen his decor as in that QB graveyard in front of his Ohio crib. 
headstones naming various QBs from around the NFL. Now, as I've said before, this is not a big Halloween house. Even though I've got one guy dressed as Count Chocula and another guy dressed as Dwight Eisenhower. This is not a Halloween house. We don't get dressed up. Obviously, those two did not get the memo. I'm not in the spirit of the day. Why? Because it's a kid's holiday. I'm not a cooler. I'm not the wet blanket. I'm not here to hate. I'm here to hype. Hype it for what it is. A kid's holiday. If you come to work in costume, if you're in costume right now and you're over the age of 12 and you're at work, you know what you are? There's a word for people like you. How do I put this? The word. It's on the tip of my tongue. If you have a costume on right now and you're at work, that word, that word, that word, loser. That's the word. You're a loser. That said, while I don't appreciate parents participating, other than walking their little kids around the neighborhood, even with an adult beverage, I did that back in the day, what I do appreciate is a good troll job. And a star pass rusher turning his front lawn into a QB cemetery is a very good troll job. And that's what Miles Garrett did. And since the moment he set that thing up, it's gone super viral and still is. It's been everywhere. The man himself is actually pretty proud of the reaction, and he should be. Backstory of the cemetery? Uh, I mean, I'm kind of a troll a little bit. And uh, people in my house like that have fun. My family, my friends, and that would be you know, something cool to do for Halloween because uh, I've always said about Halloween. My man, I got it. I feel you. You are kind of a troll. A little bit. In fact, you're not giving yourself enough credit. You're a big troll, Miles, and I like it. And people have noticed it. People like, I don't know, Kyler Murray. NFL Films actually captured my guy Kyler calling out Garrett in midfield after beating the hell out of the Browns a few weeks back. He called him out for putting his headstone in the graveyard a tad prematurely. Why you got me in the graveyard? Why you got me in the graveyard? I mean, it's out of motivation. Yeah. I saw, I saw, at least my friend had RIP over it. True. I love that. He's like, how do you have me in the graveyard? Why do you have me in the graveyard? You ever wonder what these guys talk about at the end of the game when they come over and they congratulate each other? Yo, man, best of the fam. No. Why do you have me in the graveyard? So, and he had every right to ask. They, run, they went into their house and they kicked their ass. At least Garrett did sack Murray in that game. That should probably be the minimum requirement for having this troll job. Actually having sacked a quarterback before you put him on the tombstone. But don't take my word on that. There's somebody way more credible. Somebody with just about the most QB crushing credibility in the entire world has now weighed in. That would be my guy, Hall of Fame pass rusher, Bruce Smith. Legend, stud, icon. Also known as the Hall of Fame pass rusher. As in the guy with the most sacks in NFL history. So he saw that. He saw that. He liked that. He ripped that. He ripped it away. He turned it into one of the greatest flexes I've ever seen. Miles Garrett might be the most jack dude right now in all pro football. But right now, 58-year-old legend Bruce Smith is the most jack guy on the planet. He's flexing all up in Miles' face. 
Like, Miles was proud of himself, and rightfully so. But what Bruce said was, please, please. Because my man's got his own QB graveyard, and it is freaking legit. Because his graveyard contains actual victims. All of his actual victims. The 76 quarterbacks that he body bagged in his incredible career are now all lined up in front of Bruce's house. Miles put up seven tombstones of fake victims. Bruce went with that times 10, a 10x flex, and then left a message for Miles. Miles, I was inspired by your graveyard, but here's what a real graveyard looks like. To you and all my fellow pass rushers, keep hunting. To you and all my fellow pass rushers, keep hunting. And that pause in the middle is a pan over the 76 headstones. If you think that sounds like a lot, you should see what that looks like. My man's got everybody from Joe Montana to Donovan McNabb to Bubby freaking Brister. Loved Bubby Brister. I'm not sure anybody needed the reminder of just how prolific Bruce Smith was, but in the event that you did, you just got one. An epic reminder. Seriously, you got to love the randos. The rando QBs that are on Bruce's lawn. Ken O'Brien, Dave Brown, Sean Moore, Tommy Hodson. He's got one that simply says, Tennessee. Must be like the tomb of the unknown quarterback. He's got Jack Trudeau. He's got Craig Erickson. I love it, man. I love it so much. Like, I love it that he saw the idea from Miles. He ripped it from him, and then he built on it. And now I've seen the idea from Bruce, and I'm going to rip it from him, and I'm going to build on it. I like the idea. Maybe I will ask Dodger Jano. No. Maybe I will tell Dodger Jano. In fact, I got a better idea. I'm not saying Jack. She and non-affiliated Logan are looking at a college this weekend out of state. I can do a little work, so I'll have it ready upon their return. Yeah. They won't know. They won't know until they roll back on Sunday. That's right. Got some Van Smack time this weekend. I'm going to clear that lawn. And I'm going to put my own tombstones. So what am I going to do? What are you going to do, Rome? You going to put a tombstone up for every guy you hit a home run off of? Are you going to put a tombstone up for every quarterback you sacked? Are you going to put a tombstone up for everybody you dunked on? You haven't done any of those things, Rome. Right. However, what I have done is run clones. Lots and lots of clones. So I'm going to get out. Some stone, tombstone, for all the clones that got run. So get ready to see my front yard if you're going to come trick-or-treating. And it's going to look like this. Tombstones of the following. Parody Larry, Matt in L.A., Toby in Houston, Silk, CJ in the Bay, the Self-Glossers, 
Jerome in Houston, Todd in St. Louis, Marcus in Seattle, Bob in L.A., Ed in Washington, Johnny Scab, Shane in Green Bay, John in New York, Jake in Buffalo, Sonny in Toronto, Jeff in SoCal, Brad in Corona, Reggie in the O.C., Geoff in Lincoln, Tobin in Chapel Hill, the Canadian star linebacker, Dr. Dave in Chicago, Gavin the 12-year-old, the Grump, I Ray with a soup can phone, Kyle in Green Bay, Mike in Indy, Moni in Knoxville, Greg in Houston, Tobin in Chapel Hill, Jeff in Southfield, Orrin in Denver, Mike in Wichita, Jason in Harrisburg, Kathleen in Omaha, Benny in Wisco, Caleb in Green Bay, Cal in Vegas, Orion in Waterford, Ryan in Wichita, Rosemary, Carl in Rosemead, Ray Ray in Tampa. I mean, damn, never mind. Never mind. The, the, the front yard isn't big enough. Well, I'd have to have a 10,000-acre farm to do that. Front yard's not big enough. The state of California's not big enough for all this. All the land on God's green earth is not big enough for all that. It was a good idea for a minute until I remember, remembered all the idiots who got run. No, no, I can't do that, unfortunately. What I can do, though, is the same thing that I do every year at this time. I break out Alvin's Ionic Spooky Mix. And not yet, as I always say at this time of year, try and figure out how many you can identify. That's always fun. The person who identifies the most number of drops or sound bites accurately wins nothing. But it's a fun game, though. Alvy, I cannot wait to see what you've done to trick up the spooky mix. Let's hear it. The hand was almost severed off. The angry whopper! That's it? Come on, man. I, I remember it being more than 30 seconds. Is that the addendum or is that the entire mix? That one's like, dude, it's always been 30 seconds. What? Oh, really? Well, what do you say we always make it 90 going forward? Let me hear that one more time if it's only 30. The hand was almost severed off. The angry whopper! I'm not sure what my favorite part of that is. I'm not afraid of you. Maria Menuno, she is all class. I love her. She is the best. I'll be once more because I want to weigh in on my favorite soundbite in that spooky mix. Hit me. The hand was almost severed off. The angry whopper! He is Tom Verducci. Tom, it's so good to have you back. How are you? I'm great, Jim. How are you? Doing great, Tom. Thanks for the visit. Two games into the series. Let me start right there. What have both teams shown you thus far? 
Uh, both are really good offensive teams. We knew that coming in, and uh, we're seeing teams jump out early in these games offensively. So, listen, Jim, if you're watching the postseason, you know it's kind of the postseason where starting pitching has been dying, right? <laughs> um, starting pitchers, I think, have only won 11 of the 33 games this postseason. But what they are now is a quarter like uh, quarterbacks who are just game managers. Don't lose the game early. And we've seen that now happen in both games, where the team with the better offense got out early and uh, and stayed out in front. This series, to me, Jim, really needs a close game. I mean, we need drama in these games. There wasn't a lot of buzz and narratives going in. You hope that uh, the baseball would take over. But so far, these offenses have jumped out early and stayed ahead early. We've had two games that haven't been that close. I really appreciate you saying that, Tom. I said the same thing myself, and to hear you say that, then I know I'm right because you said it too, and I agree with you. We need some drama. We need something to happen. Let me ask you this. If we go back to game two, you wrote about this for SI, but how significant was that mound visit from Martin Maldonado in the top of the first inning, and why was that so significant? Oh, man, this this guy's like the most valuable old 45 hitter or whatever he is in baseball. Uh, and I talked to Martin about this because you know, Jim, in this day and age, teams get five mound visits, and a lot of catchers want to guard them early. It's like in football with your timeouts. You don't want to burn one early because there is now a finite number. That's first inning, and a lot of catchers wouldn't go out there, but Maldonado saw two guys on, Soler at the plate with a 2-0 count. He had a home run out of 2-0 count in game number one. That game, as I said, he knew himself that the team that scores first is winning these postseason games. He knew that moment was huge. He calls timeout, goes out to the mound. They, they figure out a pitch sequence to Solaire. Next three pitches are all strikes. They're out of the inning, back in the dugout. Now two big doubles. Now the Astros are off to the races. That was huge. One of those little moments in the game where, you know, Maldonado, and I know he's not much of a hitter. <laughs> he proves that every night, but. It's not just his throwing and the way he blocks balls behind the plate. It's the way he runs the game. Tony La Russa, I get it, very partial to Yadi Molina. He had him in St. Louis. He said Yadi bar none, number one catcher in baseball running a game. But he said the guy who he has seen all of his years in baseball, who's the closest to Yadi Molina, is Martin Maldonado. That guy is is really impacting these games, even when he doesn't hit. That's amazing. Tom Verducci is joining us. You mentioned Altuve. Now, he gets the bulk of the credit for the home run and the double. But let me ask you this. How much of that importance and that performance at the plate was about the advice that he got from one Reggie Jackson earlier in the day? Yeah, it's amazing. You know, um, Brian Snicker, before game two, he said, I saw Reggie in an Astros hat. Well, you kind of do a double take when you see that, right? right. He said, well, what happened? I said, well, he signed with Jim Crane as a special advisor, left the Yankees with the Astros. So part of his job is just, especially this time of year, it's October, you know, be around the players, be a sounding board. And Altuve told me that Reggie came up to him before the game because Altuve has been leading a league in foul balls to the pole side. He's been way out in front, way too anxious. And Reggie said, listen, when you take BP today, don't hit the ball to the pole side. Hit everything up the middle and the other way. And sure enough, his foul balls turned into pole hits, a double on a home run. And Altuve told me that was the first time Reggie talked to him about something specific when it comes to hitting. He's great talking about confidence and the way you feel at the plate. But he gave Altuve that piece of advice, and then Carlos, I've read their uh, Alex Cintron, and Marwin Gonzalez gave him some advice on his foot placement in the batter's box. But Reggie Jackson had an impact on that game by having Altuve kind of slow down at the plate because he had been jumping out in front. 
That's really interesting, too. Tom Reducci is joining us. So, Tom, you were talking about how what the series needs is a close game. What the series needs is something really compelling to happen. I mean, I'm not being flip or making light of this, but the most compelling thing that's happened so far is Charlie Morton breaking his leg and not making it out of the third inning. I mean, I hate to say that, and I say that respectfully. What does losing him mean to Atlanta and for their bullpen in particular? Like, how much more important does that make Atlanta's Game 3 starter, Ian Anderson? Yeah, I think it's less likely you'll see Brian Snicker pinch hit for Ian Anderson after four innings the way right. he did in the NLCS because he knows he's got bullpen games ahead of him in games four and five, right? It's the one part part of the series where you play three consecutive days. So to me, game three is always a little shaky, but for managers, you have to be a, a little more conservative in terms of going to your bullpen because you, you can't run your guys out there, you know, seven, eight innings for three straight nights. So that will impact the game. And Morton is a big loss because he's one of these guys. He can take the ball deep in the game. And you just don't see that time after time in this postseason. And not only that, uh, Jim, you could bring him back out of the bullpen in game seven. Obviously, the Astros famously did that to win the World Series in 17. Um, Big game pitcher will always take the ball. He's not there as sort of that safety blanket late in the game. Um, so, yeah, I think it's going to have an impact on this series, the way it's managed the next three days especially. You know, Tom, I want to say something about Atlanta, Tom. I made the point that that's not an 88-win team. I mean, they might be an 88-win team, but that's not an 88-win team. You picked them to win the World Series before the season started, and then Ronald Acuna Jr. goes down. But it's amazing. Like, what do you make of their ability to retool that ro- roster on the fly and not just get a couple of guys, but guys like Eddie Rosario, Adam Duvall, Jorge Soler, Jock Peterson, guys that have made a major impact on this World Series run. How were they able to do that? Yeah, this is going to sound corny, Jim, but one reason I picked the Braves to win because last year I was with them a lot in the bubble in the postseason. And I just like the vibe about this team, the way they went after it, the camaraderie, the coaching staff, Brian Snaker. They just weren't ready to close it out against the Dodgers, right? They were up 3-1. That was a huge learning experience. Now, I never expected they could do this without Ronald Acuna Jr. I mean, he's one of the five best players in the game. But it does speak to the culture that they have, the fact that they've been hardened by the loss in the postseason last year, blowing a three games to one lead. Um, Give credit to Alex Antopoulos, the GM, right? Because that team didn't get over 500 until the first week of August. That never happened in baseball history. Not over 500, and then you wind up in the World Series. Now, they're playing way over 600 since then. It's a credit to the trades they made and the culture that they have, that they could bring in these four outfielders. Um, and actually, the DH rule and the AL really helped them with that lineup. But four outfielders sharing time, and it all worked out. They're playing their best baseball. So, yeah, I agree. Looking at the Braves as an 88-win team, that's that's a little misleading because they've been way better than that now for three months. Right. So one last thought, if you don't mind. The other news, Tom, in the last 24 hours is that Bob Melvin is leaving Oakland to take over as manager of San Diego. It's an amazing story. Like, How do you like that fit for the Padres and for Melvin? Love the fit for the Padres. I mean, he's one of the best managers in the game, and I say that because today's game is so much about bullpens. And generally, Jim, bullpens kind of fluctuate year to year, right? When you have a good bullpen, it probably means you use your guys a lot, and the next year they're not so good. He's one guy, and you look at the A's, every year their bullpen is good. It doesn't fluctuate. That's a credit to how he uses guys, doesn't overuse guys. And now especially going to National League Baseball, it's even more important. So I love the way he runs the game. Players love to play for him. 
If I'm an A's fan, though, man, I, I'm not happy. I mean, I just lost a good manager who was under contract for next year for nothing. They got nothing for the rights for uh, Melvin. So, listen, I, I know, you know, probably his contract might have been an issue, $4 million next year, but that's a really good manager they lost. And I don't know, maybe Ron Washington winds up there in Oakland. Maybe somebody else would come in and just pick up the pieces. But if I'm an A's fan, I'm not happy because he is a good manager. If I'm a Padres fan, I got to love it. It is time for the Friday edition of Big Head Bets. You have the big head, James Kelly. And rather than me set it up, lay it out, explain what it is, by now you know what it is. We pick games every single Friday. It's a service we have. You can choose to believe us or not. It's entirely up to you. But my guy, Big Head, is hitting at better than 60% on NFL games this season. We can document that number. I'm putting... Our numbers, his numbers, our numbers against up against almost anybody else's numbers. What you get from us, though, is good entertainment and chemistry and content and good info. Head, what's going on? How you feeling? I'm feeling great, Jim. What's going on? Oh, Matt, feels good. Feels good. Hey, listen, really quickly. You and I hit Vegas for a few hours earlier this week. We went. It was a quick one-off. We went to see our pals at WinBet. Again, we were there for only a couple hours, but let me ask you this first off. How great was it to be back in Las Vegas, to feel the adrenaline of that town, the buzz in the Wynn Resort that was going off on a Tuesday afternoon? Man, did you feel the heat? I thought we actually displayed a great discipline in leaving that place because it was popping, and I have never been to Vegas on a Tuesday before. I was actually shocked at how busy the wind was, man. That place is nice. It is luxury, and it was busy. See, there you go. Like, this is what I'm saying. On a Tuesday, it was great. Now, really quickly, before we get into this, Mm -hmm. I want to give you a little feedback on your performance in that meeting. First, the good. Congratulations on getting through the entire meeting and not calling anyone or anything ass or saying that anybody was channeling their, quote, inner ass. Good job with that, Head. Thank you. I okay. appreciate that. Now, here is the constructive criticism. Oh, boy. You got off, by my count, five different F-bombs in a business setting with some extremely important partners of ours. What do you say the next time I bring you to a meeting, you get that number down to zero? (laughs) Oh, dude. The first thing my wife actually said is, did you cuss? I'm like, well, Jim Craig told me to be myself, so I I think I did a couple times. She's like, you idiot. (laughs) That's amazing that your wife said, did you cuss? (laughs) Did she really? Yeah, she's the first thing she said to me. She said, "Did you you didn't you didn't really be yourself, did you?" I said, "Yes." They said, "Be yourself," and I'm so I cussed a little bit. Dude, when when we when either Craig or I say "be yourself," we mean that for anybody but you. Dude, by the way, going forward, don't be yourself. Whatever you do, when you go to those meetings, do not be yourself, head, because yourself is an f bombing, functionally illiterate human being. So whatever you do, stop being yourself. I need that number, those five f bombs, down to zero next time. All right, dude, I was AJ Clemente in the. Business meetings. So no, I'll you clean it no, up. See, that's the problem. You weren't, dude. You were the opposite of Clemente, man. You felt really good about yourself. I have never I seen a too. dude settle into a meeting as quickly as you did with the f bombs. All right. So as as Elk would say, take all your f bombs, Tommy Smothers, and get them out of here. Good. Uh, I almost asked for a beer on the way out, but I didn't do that, so that was good. Dude, that is awesome. They they did have a bar in that studio, man. They did have a bar. They had everything. That was a luxury studio right there. They too. did, man. They had Win. liquor. They had your F-bombs. They had it all. All right. Win. So, good good job, sort of. 
Yeah, I almost you. asked for a beer on the way out. Like when, when they say, hey, can we get you guys anything? Water, coffee. You're like, yeah, yeah, scotch. Scotch would be Dude, great. I was waiting too because they were some silver canisters. I'm like, well, what's in that thing? Oh, that's water. I'm like, ooh. Okay, what's in that effing thing over there? Okay. All right, so let's get into this. It's bedtime. Rams at Houston. Nobody has really figured out, Head, how to slow down Matthew Stafford and the Rams and believe this. The Texans are not going to be the ones to figure that out. They're not going to be the first one. I said it last week on the NFL Today on CBS. I want to say it again right now. Matthew Stafford could not have gone to a better situation than the Rams. Jared Goff could not have gone to a worse situation than the Lions. Stafford and the Rams are exactly who you thought they would be when they made that deal. The Texans are exactly who we thought they would be. Essentially, who they've been for the last several years. Nobody and nothing. Now, this is important. Listen to me carefully. Mm Mm-hmm. The only question is, are you going to use your now weekly ass token? I will now allow you use of the ass token one segment, once per segment. You're getting a little bit too comfortable with that, too. Use it in any way you want. Question, are you going to use it now or are you going to save it for another game? What is your number? What is your play? Rams v. Texans. Well, we have the Jets on the agenda, so I'll save the ass blast for them and that squad. The number I have right here, Jim, is the Rams minus 14, and I'm going to actually hit that. L.A. should be on their game this Sunday after having some horrible, horrible mental lapses on special teams last week against Detroit. They should be locked in, and the team they are playing in the Texans are getting worse. Over the last three games, they've been the worst offense in football, averaging 10 points a game and the worst rush defense in football, allowing over 157 yards a game. They're also committing turnovers and penalties. The Rams can do whatever the hell they want to do on offense. My guess is Daryl Henderson should go off. And the Rams' defense, they are starting to play better. They're allowing the fourth-least points in the NFL during that same three-game span of 15.7 points. Let's go Rams minus 14 on the road. All right, there's your first pick right there, clones. Write that down. Rams minus 14. My quick take, Stafford is a stud. Cooper Cup is the proverbial problem. Stafford has other weapons. He's got a good offensive line in front of him. The Texans cannot stop the run. They cannot stop the pass. They cannot move the ball themselves. I have no problem laying those points. Rams minus 14. All right, Bengals. At Jets, the freaking Bengals head. I was singing their praises on the NFL today on CBS last Sunday before their game against the Ravens. But no, never in my wildest imagination or dreams did I expect them to go into Baltimore and break the Ravens' face the way they did. Don't look now, but if the playoffs were to start today, the Bengals would be the top seed in the AFC. And as you know, head, the Jets are once again an abject disaster. They're an embarrassment to themselves. They're an embarrassment to their city. And one more thing I want to add before I get to you. I would pay very good money on any given Sunday to watch the Bengals. But on the flip side, there's almost no amount of money that you could pay me to watch the Jets. So what do you say you make this easier on me, head? Help me make some coin. Help take the edge off of me having to watch the Jets. What's your number? What's your play? And whatever you do, do not tell me you're taking the Jets or I will end this segment right here, right now. Hell no, I'm not going there. The number is minus 10.5 for Cincy, Jim, and I'm hitting that. For New York, it isn't about embracing that inner ass. These dudes live their best life. That's your one, dude. That is your token. That is your ass token. (laughs) 
the they live their best life of that stuff on the weekly now. They are terrible. They came off a bye and they lost to the Patriots by forty one <laughs> points. That's that's incredible to do. The worry for me, though, is Cincinnati is their youth, okay? This is the third straight road game for them, and they are coming off that big win, what you just said about Baltimore. Can Zach Taylor have them focused? I think this is going to tell us a lot about Cincy, actually. But look, Burrow is special, and he's coming off a career high, 416 yards passing, and they will attack that Jets secondary. If Cincinnati does come flat, the defense can pick them up. They rank fifth in the NFL in scoring D, allowing 18.3 points a game. The Jets, like I said earlier, their ass all over. Sorry, I used it twice, especially on offense. They rank last. Yeah, that means you can't NFL. use it once next week because you used it twice today. <laughs> I'll stop because I could use it a lot on the Jets here. The defense, or I mean, sorry, the offense is worse than it, even when it was when Gaze was there. Eyes. They're scoring 13.3 points per game. I will say, though, I wish Joe Flacco was out there instead of Mike White. I actually. Watched him at the Senior Bowl a while ago, and he's actually pretty good, but I don't think um, it'll matter. Let's go Bengals, minus 10.5. I agree with that. I wish Flacco were out there, too. Nothing against Mike White. He's just not Joe Flacco. Nobody is. Cincy, minus 10.5. This is why I tolerate you murdering the English language every week, because you have good takes. All right, next game. On to our third game. Frisco at Chicago. I don't want to be a hypocrite and say that the Bears are ass, because I do not like using that word on air. And it is reserved for those who are truly horrible. But let me say this about the Bears. They are garbage. They're not doing anything at all to protect or support Justin Fields. And on the flip side, it doesn't really matter how bad Jimmy Garoppolo looked last week or who Kyle Shanahan starts under center because they're going to get theirs because the Bears are no longer getting to the quarterback consistently. Yes, Brady humiliated them last week. That'll happen. No, Jimmy G is not Brady. But assuming that Garoppolo does not get hurt again, He won't have to be Brady to torch these slugs from Chicago. What is the number? How are you approaching it? San Fran minus four at Chicago, and the only ones uh, right now more upset with Kyle Shanahan, the Niner fan lately, is those who bet on him. He's not profitable against the spread. He's 31-38-1 for his career against the spread, but I'll take him here. I'll lay the points, minus four, and take the 49ers. They are desperate, and they have to win this game. They've lost four straight, but they're 2-1 and one on the road this season. And like you said, that Chicago offense is horrid. The Niners should keep them on the bench. Big word they, for you. Yeah, different horrid. one. Changing up. Versatile okay. is another word. That's me right there. That's not you, dude. <laughs> That's not you. Anyways, the Niners <laughs> should keep that Chicago team on the bench. They post the fourth-best third-down defense on the road in the NFL, and the Bears have the worst third down offense in football period also it looks like khalil mack will not go let's go niners minus four and kyle shanahan dude really quickly did you say son of lobster is 31 and 39 against the spread 31 38 and one wow wow horrible but all right his dad was bad against it too vegas loves the lobster they love belichick even when they don't have great quarterbacks great point another great point see what i'm saying all right let's keep moving fourth game you've got detroit at Philadelphia, right? Detroit v. Philly. On paper, I would say this game is garbage. In fact, on the field, I would say this game is garbage. But one man's garbage is another man's treasure, especially if we look at it the right way and we figure out a way to get paid on this. Detroit might be garbage, and they might be winless, but, man, they play hard. 
And the Eagles might be garbage, but garbage in Philadelphia is not like garbage anywhere else because Philly fan ain't having it. And Philly coach is weird, yo. Those, well, okay, maybe that's not fair. His pressers are weird, yo. They're weird, they're awkward, and they're just bizarre, right? Mm-hmm. So ordinarily, what I'm saying to you, Head, is a game like that would not interest me at all, but I'm here for it. I'm all about it. My question is, are you also feeling that way about the game, and how are you playing it? Yeah, I'm actually looking forward to the post-game presser more than the game itself, but like you said, putting paper on it helps, and here I'm going to go with the maniac over the dude talking about soil, flowers, and gardening this week. Less thinking <laughs> equals um, talent. The number goal. is Lions as the home dog at plus three and a half so I'll take those points look man those guys in the Lions locker room have to love the maniac and what he did in LA that dude pulled out everything and trying to beat their former quarterback and I think they love him for it the Lions can run the ball here too the Eagles have allowed more than 100 yards rushing every single game this season I expect a big game from Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift if Swift goes as for uh, Nick and the Eagles his team is undisciplined they leave the lead the league in penalties per game and are even more sloppier on the road. They average 9.2 penalties a game. I'll take the Lions and the three and a half, and I won't even be surprised if they get their first win of the season here, Jim. Dude, your takes are so good, but your use of the gl- of grammar is more sloppier than ever before, man. It just is. <laughs> All right, so I'm not a big believer in Jalen Hurts myself. I was. I no longer am. But then again, I'm not a big believer in anything Eagles-related right about now, while at the same time, I do think Detroit cares a hell of a lot. And while they are crappy, Detroit is always ready to give them hands and eat them kneecaps every single week. It's got to give. Something has to happen at some point, and I think that it's going to happen against the underachieving Eagles. Maybe they don't win, but I think they keep it within the three and a half. All right, finally. No, you got the Bills in Miami. No easy days. No easy days, but a nice, easy spot for the Bills this week because they are at home, they are coming off a bye, and the schedule makers are putting the Dolphins on a bleeping silver platter for them. I get it. Any given Sunday, and this gambling game is hard, dog. Anything can happen. Anything except Miami going into Buffalo, dealing with the Bills Mafia, and handling the Bills. Anything can happen except that. Another double-digit game, Head, something we're seeing more and more of around the league. What's the number? What are you seeing? What are you doing? I'm seeing 13-5 Bills favored, and I'm going to lay those points and going with that. Dude, the, Do- the Dolphins are a disaster right now, top down. It seems clear they don't believe in Tua, and I sure as hell don't believe in MV Buffalo. This year he was knocked out of their first meeting, and the Bills won 35 to nothing in Miami last year in the biggest game of Tua's career. With a possible playoff spot on the line, he throws three interceptions and they lose to the Bills 56-26. And you got a Bills team coming off that bye, like you said, and they lost to Tennessee before it. A focused defense that football outsiders actually has ranked as the number one unit right now. I love them. And Josh Allen, Jim, 5-0 and against the Bills in the past three seasons. Let's make it six First here. of all, Josh Allen is not 5-0 and against the Bills. The last three seasons. Sorry. Josh yeah. Allen. Josh Allen, yeah. For Josh the Bills. Josh Allen last three seasons. Let's Against make it six the Bills? Here. I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they'll cover that 30 like they have been the last couple times out, but let's go uh, 14 works for me here. Mafia minus 13 and a half at home. 
Dude, you just said that he, he was 5-0 and against the Bills. Are they having inter-squad games? Are there, now, the past are there lines? Three seasons, the past three seasons. Against his own team? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Dolphins. <laughs> Thank you, dude. Did I have to say that five times? Oh, the Dolphins, yeah. What's the, the matter with you, dude? Hey, uh, Josh Allen, man. He's uh, 17-0 against the Bills. Yeah, I don't even know if he'd go 5-0 and against uh, his own Bills right now, the way Dang that defense Lewis. is playing. So he'd probably be 0-5 against uh, his defense. Well, you just, you just keep digging, dude. Wait, was that supposed to be your attempted humor to get out of that, man? Just trying to just shut the, the hell up, man. Get out of here, dude. All right. Dude, you're the best. All right, so actually, I, I was going to say, you know what the worst part about that was? Actually, that was the best part about that. But the worst part about that was I was going to say, dude, that was your best segment ever until you kept correcting me. No, I said 5-0. and I, No, I meant 3-0. and I mean, no, what I'm trying to say to you is he plays for the Bills. <laughs> I always got a couple in me. <laughs> yes, you do, Head. You absolutely do. All right. And by the way, I think, not only I think, I'm going with you. Some weeks I go against you on a few of the picks, never very often because you're so good. I'm going with you on every single one of these. Can you run them down really quickly and then put them up on Twitter? L.A. Rams minus 14 at Houston. Cincy minus 10.5 at the Jets. Lions plus 3.5 v. Philly at home. 49ers minus 4 at Chicago. And Josh Allen v. the Miami Bills. Dolphins minus 13. And Let's a half. make some money. Head, great <laughs> job. Great job in the meeting other than the F-bombs. I'm glad you did not ask for a cocktail on the way out. Great job today. Have an amazing weekend, Head, and I'll talk to you soon. All right, I'll clean it up. Thanks, Jim. Let's no, you won't. You will not make up for it now. That's your charm, dude. That's the big head, James Kelly, and this is why Okay, two things. This is why many of you say, why don't we do that during the week? Why don't we do that every single day? Why is it only on Friday? And I'm going to say to you in response, why ask why and appreciate what you have? Stop getting all worked up about what you don't have and have gratitude and appreciation for what you do have. What you do have is premium content for free every single Friday. It may not always be like that. Take advantage of it. I'll tell you what, man. He, he has access to information that others don't. As an example, Josh Allen's record against the Buffalo Bills. My man is like literally guaranteed straight money, homie, against his own team in those inter-squad games. I just didn't know they played that many inter-squad games, that they kept score, and that you could get action on it. I understand that you can get action on almost anything in the world. That's the beauty of gambling right now. There are prop bets and action for anything and everything. I just didn't know you could get action on Josh Allen v. the Bills. My man's just owning those practice squatters. I'm kind of toying with the idea of blowing Iggy Pop out off the top of the hour and just going with a Munster theme song. Yeah, 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 yeah. What's going on? Welcome to the jungle. A Monday decade, yeah, for you. Fresh off my New York run. Good to be back in California. What's cracking? Why don't we start with that Monday recap? Exactly what the hell is going on with these shoes? Snap Henry. He throws in the end zone. Man is wide open. That KC defense is so much worse than anybody could have ever imagined. And the offense right now just is not clicking. And Mahomes is hurt. Mahomes is hurt. He got hit in the head. He takes a knee 
to the head. The Why are you playing music fans. under a guy getting hit in the head with his knee? That's their broadcast. That's not me. But by the way, who's not a Tears for Fears fan? This guy, for one. The Ernest Johnson. I'm like, man, I'm close. Like, I'm close. I just kept training harder and harder. Like, I'm, I'm close. That's when they ended up signing me. And I've been here since then. Slant caught by Chase. Breaks out the pass. Nobody should be giving out awards in October. But I gave him the Rookie of the Year award yesterday. Jamar Chase. Cracking that pick was dumb. And even worse was calling him a bust in the preseason. You mean the bust that's going to be the Rookie of the Year? Unbelievable. Ross, really quickly, the important stuff. We have to start with food. Glad your priorities are aligned with mine, Jim. Just eat as much as I possibly can. I crush Diet Coke. Come home. Go to bed. And they go onside. The ball is... Hell yes. I got to give them credit. And that's what I'm talking about. Dan Campbell. The snap, they fake it. That is more. Bite off somebody's kneecap with the first fade. And then you come back for the patella with the second. We're going to buy the kneecap off. Blitz, and they bring him down. Paying you. Do the work. Do the work. Paying you. It doesn't matter how you feel. Do the job. It doesn't matter how much this game sucks. Watch the game. So, warrior that I am, I somehow got through it. Michael Lombardi is joining us. He's been groomed on no accountability. No one's ever really held him accountable. And so now he's behaving as like a spoiled brat. The guy's never hired a shooting coach. He hired his brother. I mean, seriously. Play. Don't just come out and run the ball and get into a second and nine. I like a play action, and I'm, I'm off. One of these days, Hayden's giant pink dome is going to explode while he's watching these games. Jordan Poyer is joining us. You know, we're 4-2 now. Took a really tough loss against Tennessee a couple weeks ago. Coach always says, you never lose, you just learn. Shame on us if we don't learn from our losses um, and, and get better from them. What's your beef? Twitter! Hey, Jim, my beef is with these dudes at the gym who dry their junk in the hand dryer. What's your beef? I have a beef with Paul's vacuum cleaner. I've got a beef with iPhone chargers. Not only do my kids steal them from me, but their friends steal them from me. Got a huge beef, though, with the 30-year-old virgin in my office that spends half his day roaming around sniffing out a piece. <laughs> you're wrong to call the show with that, but you're not wrong to feel that way. So there was definitely a ton of buzz and a ton of energy at the win and in town. Here's something else that I did not know about. Dogs on planes. Not sure when that became a thing. Dogs on this plane. Carlos Pena is my guest. I hope someone's listening because yesterday they pitched uh, Alvarez away and he hit it all the way to center field off the wall. And I'm like, does anyone learn? Off of Charlie, ricochet right to Freddie. Charlie. The hell are you sorry for? Are you sorry that you didn't take another laser shot to your other leg and break that one too? Kenny Pickett is joining us. I want to make very clear, you're 23. You can have that cold one. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it tasted a little better than, than the usual one. You know, I had a Bud Light with dinner, so it was a great dinner. Tucker, my man, do you want the shepherd's pie cheesecake? Pot thai cheesecake? The crispy crab mm. with cream cheese wonton cheesecake? Yo, bruh, you think you're better than the baked rigatoni cheesecake? Ryan Howard. What do you make of the way Barry handled his business in the batter's box? Pitcher could have thrown a ball right down the middle and Barry didn't swing at it. Then the umpires, I think, Barry didn't swing at it. It must not be right. When you say the end of Squid Game kind of sucked, the entire world, Braun, is saying... The end of Space Jam 2 sucked. The middle of Space Jam 2 sucked. The beginning of Space Jam 2 sucked. I'm not even sure what happened there. Charles Robinson. I, it looked like he was run blocking. Like, I couldn't figure out why. I don't know. I've never seen anything like that. Jerome in Houston, Todd in St. Louis, Marcus in Seattle, Bob in L.A., Ed in Washington, Johnny Scab, Shane in Green Bay, John in New York, Jake in Buffalo, Brad in Corona, Reggie in the O.C., G. off in Lincoln, Tobin in Chapel Hill, the Canadian star linebacker, Dr. David in Chicago, Gavin the 12-year-old, the grump, I Ray with a suit can phone. The Chicago offense 
defense is horrid. The Niners should keep them on the bench. Big word for you. Yeah, different word. Changing up. Versatile is another word. That's me right there. That's not you, dude. Man's game, bitch. This sucks. Thank you. I appreciate you for having me. The King Orc Smurf. Thank you so much, Jim. I always appreciate your time. You want a pork chop with that eight-egg omelet? What what, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? What the Uh, Bing bong! Hey man, always bro, always a pleasure. Southern fried chicken slider cheesecake. Never say never, but never. I'm not afraid of you! Josh Allen is not 5-0 against the Bills. The last three seasons. That's right, Jim, and thanks for the look back. Good night now! The hand was almost severed off. The angry whopper! All day long. I'm not afraid of you! Andy. Someone call you out. Jesus Christ. Good night now!